Praise the Lord. It has been an incredible honor and privilege to be here with you guys. Um, it, this is probably, to me, one of the most incredible churches, not just in Alaska, but in the world. You don't understand, you may not understand right now, you may not understand right now what God is doing, but you're about to see the fulfillment of that which has been prophesied, that which has been declared, that which has been believed. And uh, it's going to be bigger than you can even imagine. We look at that building, we look at that building and go, man, that thing's huge. It's not big enough. I said it's not big enough. Because what God is doing, <laughs> he just said, tell your dad that. Um, anyways, <laughs> let, let, me, let me explain to you what I mean by that. This is, this is not a church that is meant to impact just Wasilla, but the entire state. And out of this church, and, and I, as I've been kind of laboring over what God wants to do in this house, and really crying out to the Lord, Lord, I want to, I want to, not just a sermon, not just a sermon for this church, but I really want to just declare a word over you that I believe as it gets in your spirit will begin to help you understand, realize the magnitude of what God is going to do through you. And I really believe that God is going to use this church to release pastors, to release preachers around the world. And right now, you're just seeing the first fruits of that. You're just seeing the first fruits of it. People that are about to be released into their destiny and their purpose and their calling, it is going to be magnified. It is going to grow. It is going to increase. Get ready. Ready your heart. Ready your spirit. Ready your availability for what God's about to do. Can I get an amen? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 4, verse 27. And uh, I, I love your pastor. He is my brother. Um, and I don't say that like brother from another mother. Like, um, he's actually, like, really, legitimately, he, he is my brother. He's, he's been adopted. Uh, is, we're, we're trying to figure out how to change his last name to Bracken, Morocco. Uh, no. <laughs> but I, I remember the day that he walked up to me and says, man, are you okay are you okay with me calling your dad, dad? And I said, um, are you okay with me calling you bro? That's the question. And uh, we just, we've had a, such a long time friendship, and uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I thank God for uh, brothers in Christ, but also men of God that uh, will correct me, will love me, even though I do ridiculous things. How many of you guys think it's a wonderful thing to have people in your life that when you do something ridiculous, they still love you? You know, you understand what I'm saying? And can I, the reason I say that, let me, let me tell you the reason I say that to you guys, is every single one of you, in some time in your life, you're going to do something ridiculous. Now, I wish it wasn't true. I wish I was perfect. I wish I said everything right, did everything right. But I, I just have inside of me, I have issues. And I do some ridiculous things and say some just even irrational, just completely, right? And I've got, I've got someone in Pastor Daniel that will lovingly come in and help me, correct me, bring sure, and it makes me better. Can I tell you something? You have a pastor that is passionate about making you and helping you be the best you you can be. Because he wants you to look good when you stand before the Lord one day. Isn't that awesome? How many of you guys think that's an amazing thing? Well, why don't you give it up for your pastor that's committed to doing that, willing to do that. 
Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 4, verse 27. John, chapter 4, verse 27. Here we go. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, everybody say, in the meantime. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will. Everybody say, my food. Come on, say it one more time. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish. Someone say, finish his work. Now listen to this. You ready? Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying it is true, one sows and other reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored. And you have entered into their labors. Wow. Let's pray. Father, I pray an anointing upon this word, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. Lord God, that we may be changed. Lord, let this not just be one of those words where it comes in one ear and out the other and that we do not remember. But Lord, let there be an ability to remember what you're saying to us in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. The title of my message this morning is Your Harvest is Now. Look at that person next to you and, and look at them and say, your harvest is now. It's, look, look at, and now I want, I want you to do this. I want you to look at them and I want you to put your finger in your chest like this and say, my harvest is, is now. I remember as a little, as a young boy, uh, I, I was very impatient. Anybody in here impatient? We have any impatient individuals in here? Yes, Lord, I just declare the fruit of the Holy Spirit right now. To, but I, I, I had an issue with being very impatient, and I took the science class, and my teacher tells us during break, it's Christmas break, just before, it was the last class before Christmas break, she gives every single one of us a seed and some soil, and we put it in a cup, and she tells us, she gives us directions on exactly what to do and how to handle the seed and how to handle the soil, and, and, and I'm very excited because this is like my first opportunity that I have to grow something, right? Right? And so I, I, I go on break, and I've got this seed, and I'm looking at this seed every single day. I got it in the soil. I'm watching. I'm looking at the cup. I got one of those see-through kind of cups, you know, those pixie cups. And I'm looking. I'm watching. Like, this is awesome. And I water the seed. And I put it in the sun. And a day goes by. Two days go by. Three days go by. And absolutely nothing happens. And in my mind, I'm like, man, something must be wrong. I, I, I did something wrong. And so I, I took the seed out and I checked the seed. I'm like, okay, is everything okay with the seed? I'm like, well, obviously, obviously something's wrong with the seed. And, and then I begin to dig through the soil. It was something, okay, 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 I got this. Let's put it back in. So then I start the process all over again. Well, the, the Christmas break is over. I go back to school. And everybody's got these, like, sprouts growing out of their cup except for me. And I'm looking at this thing going, hey. 
something's wrong with my seed. And so I talked to my teacher. I said, teacher, you gave me a bad seed. <laughs> or maybe the soil was bad, Jesus. I mean, you know, you hear the, Jesus, look, Jesus, help me. Someone say, Jesus, help me. And so I'm blaming everything. I'm telling the teacher it was the soil was wrong, the seed was wrong. And so she begins to ask me a question. Josh, how did you handle your seed? Can I, can I tell you something? A lot of us forget. We have the components. We have all the components in which to receive a harvest the biggest dilemma that we face is not the lacking components, but how we handle that which has been given to us. My problem was not the soil. It wasn't the seed. It was how I handled my seed. How you handle your moments. How you handle your promise. How you handle your prophetic word will determine what harvest you get. Jesus, Jesus, I kind of want to, let's go to the text, and I want you to see this is very interesting to me. Here, Jesus is ministering to this woman at the well, gives her a prophetic word, really profound. To me, it's one of the most profound moments because it's, it's this directive within counseling that a lot of us forget that there's a supernatural counseling where Jesus reaches into the heart of this woman and brings supernatural healing by just speaking a word. Incredible. That's, that to me is why the prophetic is so profound is because it has the potential to reach into the hearts of people and uncover things that have been hidden and bring healing. And here's Jesus, and he's, he's ministering this woman. This woman gets radically touched by the Lord, and she goes off to go tell her friends. And in the middle of this, it's like the, the, the story just sidesteps just for a moment. In the middle of this, Jesus has this interaction with his disciples. They show up on the scene, and they see Jesus with this woman. And, of course, they're just trying to, they, they want to honor Jesus. They're like, they're not thinking anything, but they are. And they tell Jesus, they say, Jesus, what's going on? What's happening? Jesus, are you hungry? I mean, like, what's up? And I realize something as I'm watching this story kind of unfold before me as I'm reading the text. I'm like, these guys are oblivious to what's happening. Like, they are so out of whack. They are out of tune with everything that's going on. They have no idea what just happened and what's about to happen. And they find themselves interrupting what Jesus is doing and completely and totally unaware. And I look at this thing and I go, wow, that's me. Here's Jesus and Jesus is doing something so powerful and so amazing. But I come in in the middle of this thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't that Jesus had to stop for a moment and take a breath of fresh air and be like, okay, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. You know, I'm just, I'm going to take a break from this moment. Jesus was still working in this thing. It was them that was so unaware that they couldn't grasp what he was doing. It was moving forward, but what happened is they caused a trip up. What do you mean a trip up, Pastor? They caused Jesus to have to sidestep to get on the same page with them instead of them getting on the same page with Jesus. 
I realize there's so many times in my life, I'm the one going, Jesus, you got to explain this to me. Jesus, explain, explain, explain. And Jesus is like, just follow. Just flow with me. What's wrong with you? Just why are you interrupting what I'm doing? Jump in and just follow. No, but Jesus, I need to understand. Jesus, 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 explain. Jesus, explain. Jesus sidesteps just to explain to his disciples something that to me is so incredibly profound. It's the will of God. It's the understanding of the harvest. And this morning, I want to, my desire is that when you leave this place, and I, I need everybody to hear this, that when you leave this place, you leave this place with an understanding on how to take hold of your harvest right now. How to be aware of what God is doing. How to be in tune with what God is doing. How to not have to, not have to sidestep, but how to just kind of integrate your life into the flow of what God is doing. Anybody here one of those kind of people like, when something's going on, you just got to know what's going on. And you go to, so, so what's happening? What, what's that about? What's, what's, what's this about? What, what's that about? And they're just kind of like, just wait, just wait, just wait. Just, my, I, I, had a, I, have a, I have a friend of mine that does that with movies. And they'll always show up in the middle of the movie. And then you got to explain the first part of the movie. Now watch this. You got to explain the whole first part of the movie, the whole first part of the movie so they can catch up. But while you're explaining the part of the movie, you're trying to watch this thing and you're missing certain parts of the movie. Look at that person next to you and say, catch up. Number one, I want us to deal with something that's very, very important for us. And I'm going to fly through this because um, we need to get home and eat pizza and drink some coffee. Anybody, anybody here with me? You need, no, in, in Hawaii, we call it, we need to go home and cook rice. Um, here, I don't know what you eat, moose, uh, deer, bear, whatever it is. Anyways. The disciples ask a very interesting question. They see Jesus, and they ask him, Jesus, what is it? What do you seek? Now, this is what is unique to me, is it's a reveal for us that they were detached from the heart of Christ. It wasn't that they were necessarily just ignorant. It actually showed their attachment to what Christ was doing and his thinking, his process of what he wanted to accomplish. And I realize that in my life, one of my greatest issues that I face within the harvest and what God wants to do and what God wants to release in my life and what he's in the process of doing, even though it doesn't make sense. It's not that things have to make sense in, for, in, in order for me to understand. I believe my issue is I become detached from his heart. I become detached from his will and what he's doing, that the disciples actually asked, had to ask him, what do you see? What are you trying to do here, Jesus? You should know. You should know. I want to be that person 
that no matter what's going on around me, I'm so in tune with what God is doing that I don't have to ask him, what is it that you seek? It's just like, this is just, it's natural. I, I understand. I, I know because I, I'm not seeing everything based on my ignorance or my flesh. I'm tuned in so much to what Jesus is doing and tuned into his heart that nobody has to tell me what's going on. I'm in the flow because I'm connected. We got to get connected to him. We got to get connected to his heart. As you look at this, the disciples could not recognize what Jesus was doing. He was preparing something, but they couldn't recognize it because their focus was off. They were thinking about food. Now, they see, that, that seems funny because that's what I'm thinking about right now. But, anyways, see. It seems funny, but the reveal, the reveal is this, that they were so carnally minded in that moment. They were so focused on the flesh and the appetite of the flesh that they couldn't realize that they're so, they wanted something so bad that they couldn't connect to the source which Jesus was drawing from. Everybody say there's a source. Jesus responds to them. He says, I have food to eat of which you don't know means uh, you're not connected means you're not aware you're so disconnected from what's going on that you're not attached to the source can I tell you something Jesus has a source that you can connect to a source of strength a source of power a source of uh, oh Jesus can I just tell you right now I believe that today people are going to have miracles. And I, I want to contain myself because I believe, I believe people are going to get healed today because you're going to get detached from the situation, detached from the negative report, detached from your fear, and you're going to attach to the source where your miracle comes from. But you got to get a different perspective. You've got to detach from what the flesh is saying and what the flesh is longing for, and you've got to attach to the spirit. Jesus says, I'm attached to something right now that you are unaware of, that you know not of. I want my knowing to be attached to that source. Jesus reveals a different source that is available. My food, I, li I love this. Are you ready? My food, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, I want, I want, to, I want to read this here because I, I believe I've got like, what, five more minutes, Pastor Daniel? Is that correct? Maybe five minutes. So are you ready? We've had enough preaching in this church anyways this morning. <laughs> Come on. This morning, this morning, you guys have heard from men of God. Through the word with Bishop Hooks and Pastor Daniel, Martin Luther King Jr. for crying out loud. Good stuff. Come on. Listen to this. Jesus reveals to them not only the source, that there's a source, but he says this, my food. That means my sustenance, everything that I am, everything that I am comes from doing the will and the work. The will and the 
work. That word will with its in its original context means what one wishes or has determined shall be done. The purpose of God. One of my struggles is this, that I battle with my own will, but I also battle with the will of others. And I remain detached from the will of God. But yet the Lord is saying, look, my very definition of life, my identity, my source, my strength, everything, everything that I am comes from being in alignment with his will. It doesn't come from what I drive. It doesn't come from where I live. It doesn't come from anything else. My significance in life, who I am, doesn't come by people's opinion on me on Facebook or Instagram. It doesn't come, it doesn't come from what you think about me or what others think about me. It comes from whether I am in and doing the will of God. I find my significance, I find my source of strength, I find my identity being connected to his will. And we run around like chickens with our head cut off trying to appease other people, trying to please everybody, even trying to find our identity and our source of strength from our job, our significance on our job, how much we make, how much we don't make, what we drive, what we don't drive. And yet we, we get drained so quickly. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? It's exhausting. We're in this rat race. Trying to be the next big thing. Trying to be the next big church. You know, can I just tell you something? God didn't call King's Chapel, Alaska, to be the biggest church in Wasilla. He didn't. He called you to be you. KC. You're not in competition with other churches. Friends, can I tell you something? You're not in, you're not in competition with the person on your job. It may seem that way, but you're not. All you're called to be is the best you. All you have to do is be the best King's Chapel, Alaska. That's what you have to do. And he does the rest. But it's, it's about aligning your life to his will. Jesus says, my food, my sustenance, my identity, my everything that I am, my strength comes from doing his will. But the second thing he says is to do the work. Somebody say, do the work. I don't like this verse. You know why? I want, to sue, I want to hyper-spiritualize everything. Everybody know what I'm talking about? I want to so hyper-spiritualize everything. that See, because can I tell you something? I'm really good at praying. I'm just being honest with you. I'm really good at speaking in tongues. I'm really good at praying. And, and I'm really good at doing spiritual things. But then when somebody says, hey, pastor, we need to clean the bathrooms. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to go pray. Hey, we need, to, we need to set up chairs. You know, I need to start preparing my sermon right now. See, the, the funny thing is this, that Jesus actually re- responds to his disciples when he says, my food is to do the will and also to finish the, the work. The, the work. See, a lot of us, we want to we experience, but we don't want to work for it. We want a revival, but we don't want to work for it. And we expect the pastors to work for it. And we become lazy as believers, expecting other people to do the work, expecting other people to witness, expecting other people to serve, expecting other people to do what needs to be done, but yet we lack the work ethic. 
And Jesus tells them, hey, disciples, I love you, but you're not doing the right work. See, now, this is the other point. You can have the right work ethic, but not be doing the right work. Anybody with me? I realized something when I, when I was there on Oahu. Yes, I got to pray. I got to preach. I got to read my word. But I also got to work. I got to get my hands dirty and I got to do something crazy for Jesus. You're going to reach Alaska. It's going to require work. Don't just sit there and pray. Go, hey, 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 we're praying, we're praying. Good. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth. Everybody stretch your hands out to Alaska. Let's pray for Alaska. Get your hands down if you're not ready to work it. Pastor, I don't know. Pastor, we've been praying for years for the harvest to come in. The harvest is ready. It's ripe. It's waiting for you. Listen, can I tell you something? Your raise on your job is waiting for you. Pastor, I've been praying for favor. I've been praying for a raise. Pastor, I've been praying for a job. Ready? Are you, are you, are, are you willing to work? Don't expect a raise on your job if you're the worst worker on your job. But I'm a believer and I prophesy. I just, I just declare blessings. How about you work like you're blessed? Are you, are you with me? Am I, this is what Jesus says. He says, my food, that which sustains me is to do the will and the work. The will and the work. Let me finish with this last point. Thank you for your patience and giving me a few minutes. But I want to finish with this. In order to take hold of a supernatural harvest, there are a few things you need to realize. See, Jesus was working really, really hard. He was pushing hard. In that moment, he was preparing something for his disciples that they weren't aware of. Can I just tell you something? Some of you need to realize this. Jesus is preparing something for you. I'm talking about you individually, right? We're not talking about a building. I'm not talking about a building. Because in one moment, guess what? That building can collapse. Like it almost, no, just listen. It, <laughs> a building, not the building, a building can collapse, but guess what? The church will remain. Because, hey, hey, don't allow some building on a corner to define you. A building can't define you. You are the church. And he's preparing something for you individually. But you've got to be aligned to what he's doing. Number one, if you're going to take hold of that divine harvest, number two, number one, you have to realize there's a divine preparation. Are you tied in to what Jesus is preparing for you? Number two, there's a divine working. I'm not just talking about a physical working. I'm talking about a supernatural working. If you're going to take hold of a supernatural harvest, you've got to be tuned into a supernatural work. That means that there's, there's got to be an ability in you to say, I'm going to do something beyond just my physical capabilities and I'm going to step into the harvest that God has for me. Number three, someone say number three, divine timing. 
Now this, let me just throw this out. Did you know that God can accelerate things in your life? And I just need to speak this over this church. There's a divine acceleration coming to this house. Someone look at your neighbor and say, I want, I need a divine acceleration. God has a timing. Are you tuned into his timing? Are you getting derailed too quick? Because it's not lining up to your timing. So you're like, man, I'm done. Forget this. If it, God, if you don't work on the count of three, God, if you don't give me a miracle on the count of three, look, Jesus, I just gave my offering. And by the time my offering gets down to the end of that aisle, I better get a harvest. Don't, don't look at me like you've never thought that way before. You're watching that bucket. You're counting 10, 9, 8, 7. Right? We put a time on God. God's got a divine timing. Why? Sometimes you're delayed because his timing is right, but your preparation's off. Your position is off. He's got a divine timing that's perfect, perfect. But lastly, if you want to take hold of that divine harvest, number one, you got to understand the divine preparation, be in alignment with it. You got to understand the divine working. You got to understand the divine timing. And you got to understand that there is a divine gathering. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. What does that mean? That he empowers you to take hold of the harvest. You are empowered by God to take hold of the harvest. God's got a divine harvest for you. And your harvest is now. Are you aligned? Are you in tune to what he's doing? Are you ready? Is your heart positioned right? Some of you need to get back on track. You, you, you've been off the rails for a long time. And you're trying to figure out, God, why am I, why am I not taking hold of everything that you have? Or why, where's my harvest, God? He says, well, your harvest is here, but you're over here. You're not even in the same space. You're like the disciples. He's doing something. You are so unaware. Can I ask you to do something for me as I close? I am convinced that God has a harvest for you. I am convinced God has a harvest for you. And I believe, I'm convinced that he is stepping on the accelerator. And he's bringing to your life supernatural harvest that is for the now but you've got to find yourself your heart your mind your awareness in the right position to tune in to take hold of it I want to pray for every one of you right now every head bowed every eye closed if you're here you say pastor I'll be honest with you I feel out of alignment pastor I'll be honest I, I'm, I'm struggling with this I feel like the disciples. I'm so unaware. I'm so out of touch. I want to get in tune. I want to get in tune with what Jesus is doing. 
Some of you who've been facing anxiety, you're here and you have intense anxiety because you know after this sermon, you're realizing, wow, I'm out of alignment because really if I was doing his will and his work, I'd have joy, I'd have strength, I'd have peace. Some of you, you're spinning, you're spinning your wheels, spending your life trying to gain recognition from men, trying to do the right things, trying to drive the right thing, trying to live in the... And you're, you're tired, you're exhausted. It's because you're not doing his will and finishing his work. And right now, I want to pray for you. If that's you, you can be honest on the count of three. Will you lift your hand? One, two, three. Right now, all over this house, all over this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down. As we continue to pray with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know that if I die today, if I'm on my way to heaven or not. But I want that assurance. I want to know that I know that I know that if I die, I'm on my way to heaven. The Bible makes it very clear. All the sin and falling short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Friends, it is not by works, lest any of us should boast. You cannot earn your way into heaven. It is, by, it, it, is, it is only by two things. It is by faith and repentance. The Bible makes it so clear to us that the condition of salvation and the condition of grace is faith and repentance. And if you're here, you say, Pastor, I want that. I want that assurance. Or maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I'm, I'm recognizing that there's things in my life that just are separating me from him, are hindering my relationship with him. Pastor, will you pray for me? If you raise your hand for any one of those three things, I want you to pray with me. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do a new work in our hearts. Are you ready? Will you say this prayer with me? Jesus, I need you. I need you to change my thinking. I need you to change my position. To help me come into alignment with what you're doing. With your will and your purposes. Lord, heal me. From everything of the past. All the residue of sin, all the residue of pain and hurt, free me now that I can walk in power and might. Jesus, I believe you died for me and that my sins are forgiven. And I believe you are my Lord. You are the risen Savior. And I put my trust in you, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Can we give Jesus some praise in this place?